This episode of Focus on This is brought to you by SMS messages from the Full Focus store. Sign up for texts and receive 10% off your first order at fullfocusstore.com. Welcome to another episode of Focus on This, the most productive podcast on the internet, so you can banish distractions, get the right stuff done, and finally start loving Mondays. I'm Verbs, here with Courtney Baker, Blake Stratton, and a very special guest. Happy Monday to you guys. Hello and happy Monday. I'm excited for this episode. Yeah, yes, I, I am too. I'm like getting out my notebook here. I'm getting ready to take some notes uh, for all of you listening. Um, if you're not driving, don't don't take notes while you're driving. Pull that car over. This is a pullover. <laughs> if you're on the treadmill, you know, just put it down to like the slow walking pace because you'll want to uh, have your head in the game for this one. We've got uh, really an amazing guest. I was telling her when she jumped on. This, she's really upgrading our level of knowledge on a lot of stuff that um, we're passionate about when we talk about productivity. So often, I think when people think, focus on this, and, and maybe you think this, if you're listening to our podcast for the first time, hey, how am I going to get more done? What's a tip to to do more and, and, and all those things? We oftentimes neglect something that is a huge driver of productivity and fulfillment, which is rest and rejuvenation. Our theme this month is, in fact, rejuvenation. I feel uh, like as soon as you re- say that, our guest here <laughs> is going to be like, you know what? I made a mistake. She, what did she's I like, can for? I unsubscribe from this interview? I don't know. <laughs> um, people are, are unsubscribing left and right. But we are talking in the month of June about rejuvenation because it's so important. So verbs... Yes. Um, I'll, I'll kick it to you. Tell tell the people, the gold, uh, our, uh, our wonderful guest, who she is and, and what she's bringing to the table today. So today we're talking with Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. She's the author of the book, Sacred Rest, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy, Restore Your Sanity, which is the perfect topic for our month on rejuvenation. And we can't wait to dive in. So welcome, Dr. Sandra. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Dr. Sandra, if you don't mind, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself and even why you started developing an expertise on rest specifically? Yes. Well, I'm a board certified internal medicine physician. I've been in practice now for over 20 years and about 10 years into practice, I burned out. That's the the simple answer of how I started looking into this. I needed to survive and I wasn't in what I was doing at the time. And the, the strange thing was I'm I consider myself a high achiever, so I'm always setting goals and always trying to accomplish things. So in the middle of my burnout, I became what I call a functional burnout. From the outside, everyone looking at my life was like, oh, isn't that great? She's on this and she's doing that and she's on Dr. Oz and she's just living the life. And I was living this life that looked so impressive from the outside, but felt so horrible to live. I mean, it was like every day I'm like, okay, I get to do this again. I don't want to do it again. And I just had to find a way to survive. And so I started off thinking, I just need to get more sleep. You know, internal medicine, I was sleeping six hours, maybe a night on a good night. I had two toddlers at home, married. So, you know, after I started getting eight, nine hours of sleep, and was still waking up exhausted, that's when I said to myself, there's something more to this, and I got to figure it out because I can't keep living like this. 
That is awesome. And I already have written my first notes, functional <laughs> burnout. I love that term of <laughs> it looks okay from the outside, but inside it's it's really painful. So I would love for you to talk about, you know, what happens when we don't get enough rest? You know, what causes that internal terrible feeling? Well, I think that's the thing. It depends on where the rest deficit's at. Because when we talk about not getting enough rest, it's almost like when someone tells me I'm tired. My first thought now is what kind of tired are you? Hmm. Because depending on where the fatigue is at determines what's suffering. Because if it's social rest where you have the deficit, then your relationships are suffering. If it's mental rest where you have the deficit, then your ability to actually do your job effectively is suffering. If it's creative rest where you're having the deficit, then your innovation is suffering. So you really have to first identify where is it that you have a rest deficit. And I think that's oftentimes the disconnect. We say we're tired, we're fatigued, we're burned out, but we haven't been really intentional about identifying the area that needs an improvement. You, you can't improve something if you don't even know it's broken yet. We're only four minutes in, and that just blew my mind as far as where is the rest deficit and then the categories of life where those could exist. So I'm just saying that now. I'm going to let Blake continue to talk while I write down a note on what you <laughs> well, just said. Before, yeah. before Blake talks, though, can I just get you, because again, I, I'm taking notes over here. You said, um, you know, is it you know mental tiredness? Is it creative? What were the other two that you listed? Yeah, well, there's seven types of rest altogether. So I'll I'll just mention all seven. So I make sure I cover them. There's physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, social, sensory, and creative. So your book is called Sacred Rest. And my first thought was this morning when my alarm went off and I was like, no, 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 no. This is too sacred. <laughs> I, I must hit snooze. This is too beautiful. Where did that term, I'm curious, where does that term come from? We think sacred, we think we think spiritual. I mean, you mentioned spiritual as I guess a, a, a type of that. I'm interested to hear your perspective. Why use the phrase sacred rest? Well, for me, I had made work sacred. I Work was like my only mm-hmm. focus. If I was knocking them off my goal list, I was hitting it. Mm -hmm. And so I needed to understand that really to work at my highest level of capacity, I needed to put an importance on rest that I had not been giving it. And so for me, when something's sacred, you esteem it, you elevate it, you make room for it in your life. And that's what I needed to do for, for myself to actually get back on track. That's where the subtitle comes from. Recover your life, renew your energy, restore your sanity. I needed to put rest back up in its proper position in my life for those things to occur. You know, I think this overlaps really well with kind of what we teach with the Full Focus Planner of, you know, when you set goals, you know, we're talking about all these different, you know, domains in your life and how to not just set goals for work. Because I think we're really good at setting goals for work and really not good at setting any others. I just, for everybody listening, I think this next quarter might be a great time for a goal on rest. I mean, that sounds like something I want to do, a goal around rest. Whew, it's almost like taking a, like a, a deep breath almost like, yeah, yeah. that feels and, good. And even along with that, Courtney, you know, in our, in our segment of the um, weekly preview, when we're doing that self-care section, Dr. Sandra, in the, in the planner, there's a self-care section and it asks us, 
every week, what do we want to do or what are our goals for, you know, rest or connecting with others. But this is going to, I believe this is going to help uh, put language around what areas of rest we can actually seek and not just leave that area blank every week or just say, go to sleep by 10 a.m. or 10 p.m., uh, but really give us some more language to, to help us fill those out. I have a question because this may help uh, those listening. How do you make the distinction between sleep and rest? Oh, absolutely. There's a distinction. And um, I think that's probably why so many of us feel like rest doesn't work because we're Mm -hmm. thinking of just sleep. You know, sleep is a type of rest. But as I mentioned, there's seven different areas or main areas that I look at when I'm looking at rest or restoration in my life. And so sleep really only falls under the physical type of rest. And even in physical rest, we have two different types. We have the passive physical rest, which includes sleeping and napping. Then we have active physical rest, which includes uh, really anything that improves your circulation, your lymphatics, how your body feels, how your muscles feel. So that includes everything from like leisure walks to yoga, to stretching, to massage therapy, to using your foam roller. I mean, it includes so many different areas of your body. So when you just say, I'm going to rest, you know, on the weekend or whatever, I'm going to go for a rest, then if you're not identifying something specific, then rest just looks like the cessation of activity. That's why people call resting on the weekend watching Netflix. It's like, I'm just not going to do work is what they're saying. (laughs) But that's not restorative necessarily. Right. I'm curious, Sandra, you self-identified as a achiever, a high achiever. And I could relate to that. I would love to hear your own experience with your perspective shift around rest, because sometimes if I'm honest, I view rest as something that's a a luxury or something that's a reward for a job well done, or rather, rather than necessarily like, Oh, this is something that I've, I've got to do that. It's important to prioritize or that that is actually helpful to me for those that are like, okay, here's another lesson or a slap on the wrist to, Oh, I know I need to rest more. I'm curious what changed in your life uh, or changing your perspective about rest as you were going on this journey of self-discovery? And and what advice would you give to another self-identifying high achiever that's sort of going, okay, let's get to the good stuff. How am I going to accomplish more if I'm resting? Yeah, I love that question because honestly, this this was probably the hardest struggle for me more so than medical school, more so than anything, because I don't have an issue with work. My work ethic's on point. I, you know, I can work, work, work with without ever stopping. But the problem with that is what I what I started to notice, if I can produce at the level I was producing in the middle of exhaustion, mm. what would be capable if I actually felt well rested? And for someone who always wants to feel like I'm giving the best of myself and I'm working at my highest level of capacity, it's no different than like an athlete. An athlete can run, you know, my, my husband just finished his first try. He can run like a complete exhausted legs after swimming and biking forever. But when he goes out for a run on fresh legs, his pace is faster, he gets more accomplished, he gets his times. And I'm thinking if I applied that same concept to my to my mental work and to my creative work, how much better can I be? And so I started looking at it as not just that, just the productivity part of it, but how much more joy will I have in the doing of it? 
because I started working almost, I kind of use the analogy sometimes of like a worker bee. Uh, The bee is always producing. And so they're great producers, but they never actually stop to enjoy what they produced. Mm -hmm. So other people are always consuming their goodness Mm -hmm. and telling them how great it is, but they have no idea. And that's the life I felt like I was living. I was always producing and people would tell me how great I am and how much I'm blessing their lives and how much my work is affecting them. And I would go home and fall out in the bed and wouldn't have time for my husband, my kids, my dog anybody else. And mm-hmm. I thought, is is this really benefiting me? And so when I sit down with other, when I'm coaching other high producers or high achievers, and they tell me this, I love doing the work, but I don't love the work that I do. Mm. That's a sad position. And so we see so many people like this, and you're looking at their life and you're thinking, wow, they, they were had such greatness in them. But if you don't become a consumer of some of your own greatness, then your life starts losing its meaning and it, and you start feeling as if it doesn't need you to be a part of it. And so wow. I had to start really being real with myself. I, I start my book off laying on the floor of my foyer after dropping, after picking up my kids from daycare and dropping them in front of the TV, my electronic nanny for the moment to mm-hmm. babysit them as I laid on the floor and cont- contemplated, do I want to keep living this life? And mm-hmm. so just to be wow. completely honest with you, I don't want to ever see anybody else get to that point. I wrote this book mm-hmm. from a, a place of complete rawness. What happens when your life looks beautiful and, you, and you're living in it and it feels like crap? How do you get out of that? How do you get back to that place where you actually love the work you do? Because what happens is you become such a high producer that the, what you're producing after you come out of the burnout is amazing. Mm. Wow. Can you say a little bit more about what you just mentioned as far as being a consumer of your own goodness? Like, what does that what does that look like? To me, what that is, is I'm actually able to do the work, finish it, stop long enough to to not just jump to the next goal, which is what I do. I'm a Mm -hmm. goal jumper, jump to the next goal. But to sit there in the moment and say, wow, wasn't that amazing to take a Mm -hmm. moment to reflect on it? That's what Mm -hmm. rest allows me to do when I stop long enough to actually look back and reflect on what's accomplished, to be able to dive deeper into it. Experiences like um, a lot of people have found me through that TEDx moment. And I didn't even know at that time that they were going to use my talk as the key, as the opening talk and they're going to frame the whole day around it. They didn't tell me that because they probably knew that would that would freak me out a little bit, to be <laughs> honest with you, to know that. But when I got to that moment and I found that out, rather than after I got done, rather than be like, oh, oh goodness, how did that go? I was like, you know. Thank God for this moment. Thank God that I'm not looking at what's going to happen next. I'm not looking at the next talk, the next interview. I'm just going to sit here and enjoy this moment. I'm not going Mm -hmm. to allow myself to over-process it, which is what I think a lot of high achievers do. We over-process things to the point that they lose their joy. And so Mm -hmm. I had to start practicing being in the moment, um, shutting myself down from that, you know, what's the next on the list and be able to have some space between accomplishments. I'm curious about some of these types of rest that may be off of our typical rest radar, right? For me, it's like, oh, I'm physically tired. I need to go take a nap or I'm mentally tired. Let me meditate for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and kind of come back to that. There was two on that list that stood out to me. And and Courtney and Verbs, maybe you have your own, but 
I'm sure they stood out to some of our listeners. One was spiritual, uh, to be spiritually tired or, or to need spiritual rest. And the other was sensory, which is something I don't think I, I typically think about, except the first thing that came to my mind was, does anyone have like kind of phantom, like if they put their phone in the other room, they find themselves like reaching in their pocket for their phone and they're like, wait, I haven't been stimulated in like, you know, 0.8 seconds. I need like something. What do you mean, I guess, by those two in particular? Um, and what would be an example, I guess, of getting rest, sensory rest or spiritual rest? How do you know that you are rest deficient in those two areas? And and what's a practice that you may incorporate to get rest? Yes. Well, as far as how to quantify it, that's actually where the whole restquiz.com came from, because I think so many people have trouble quantifying, do I need more rest in this area? Am I getting enough in this area? So when I'm looking at spiritual rest, spiritual rest doesn't have to do specifically with religion. That could be a part of it, but it's really more about our relationships with others and with kind of the world. So it's focusing specifically on how do I feel as if I belong, if accepted, loved, appreciated, useful, giving back. So some people get that in a faith-based situation. So, you know, they're seeing that within churches or synagogues where they feel like they are loved, they're accepted, they belong. Other people experience that through groups or through associations that they may be affiliated with. So different people kind of relate to that in different ways, depending on their own kind of faith beliefs. For myself, I have a specific faith belief, and I kind of elaborate on that from that standpoint. But I think for everyone, everyone needs to feel as if they're giving back to the greater good, as if their life has meaning, purpose, and that they are accepted for who they are. And so that is at the core of what spiritual rest is. And as far as how you get it... Um, being with others oftentimes and being and feeling as if you're contributing to your relationship in that regard. Now, as far as sensory rest, sensory rest has to do with really downgrading some of the sensory input we experience throughout the day. I think most of us really aren't aware of how much sensory overload we experience. So everything from the lights in the room you're in to the background noises, whether there's phones ringing in the background or people talking, or if you're on a back-to-back Zoom meetings and you know every little box has its own little individual sensory input that you experience as you're looking at different people. So we have, we're not really aware of how much sensory input we're experiencing and how that actually affects our behavior behavior, our personality, and our attitude. Because oftentimes, we are responding to sensory overload that we're not even aware that we've experienced the sensory input. It's kind of the Mm. same thing with like road rage, or you have people kind of go off at the office, and they're screaming at everybody, and no one knows why. Oftentimes, they've experienced sensory overload that they didn't recognize. Honestly, Mm. no different than like the two-year-old at the birthday party, where they are perfectly happy two hours in. Nobody took their cake. Nobody said they had to share their toy. They're just screaming their head off. Sensory overload. And uh, there's a lot of adults experiencing very similar effects in their professional lives, and they don't understand why. Now, downgrading that could be as simple as turning off the, you know, 
radio on the way home and just having a few moments to diffuse with no background sounds, or as you mentioned, with our devices, turning down some of the notifications. I find that a lot of people can greatly decrease their sensory overload just by limiting the notifications on their phones to just the phone and the text. And then, you know, you can keep all the other apps on there, but rather than having the news send you a notification every time something happens or social media sending you a notification, you can choose when you want to go into those apps and kind of select when you want to engage with them rather than having them just kind of impede upon your sensory rest whenever they decide to. You said something, I feel like we're each getting our own like wow moments from (laughs) Dr. Sandra in this episode. But for me, as you're saying that I'm realizing, because my wife and I talk about this a lot, we do have a two-year-old and we recognize even from our own childhoods moments where maybe our parents just didn't understand why we were having a reaction. And as a result, as a kid, sometimes you learn, oh, this is, I'm bad for this, or this is a personality trait. Oh, it's hot-tempered, you know, strong-willed child or something like that. And I wonder how often, maybe even myself, where I say, oh, this is just a personality trait. If you go, if your lifestyle is sensory overload or needing spiritual rest, oh, this person, you know, he's a depressive type of personality or this person flies off the handle and we can actually adopt something as a a personality trait that really is just a ongoing symptom of a lack of rest. Do you ever see this? That's a great point. And, you know, it pulls into some other some other areas as well. You know, there's a term of HSP or highly sensitive persons that some people kind of identify with. They feel as if, you know, some things kind of hit them a little different than other people. Well, if you're someone who kind of identifies with, you know, being sensitive to sounds or smells or things like that, then sensory overload is something that you may experience significantly quicker than someone else who isn't as sensitive to those things. So there, yes, absolutely. Different, it's your job, your personality, where you, you know, kind of where you live and the general makeup of your lifestyle, all of those play a role in how quickly you can become deficient in any of these types of rest, as well as how, how you may need to adapt to be able to get rest in those areas. Verbs, Blake, have you have either of you ever gone to one of these sensory tanks? You know, no, no. I don't. Okay, let me. <laughs> I knew Dr. Sondra probably had heard of these, but I tried to go do this. Um, it's basically, you know, the the temperature. It's a a pool, and it it closes. It has a cover on it, and it has uh, salt in it to the to the amount that you can float in the water. You know. And I, basically, the idea is it takes all sensing, uh, you could probably say this much better than me, but to like zero, you know, like you are just in a, a, a very limited sensory experience. And I hated it so much. And there are a lot of people that love them and it, it's great, but I realized how much it's like my body is so just like starving for all these inputs constantly. That Honestly, it was kind of sad. It was like my body can't even just relax and just sit in this 
pull, you know, my, my mind started wondering like, did I get left here? Like has the, the place closed down? Like I had no sense of time. And I, you know, it's, it's just interesting. I think maybe taking a practice of really um, engaging with that more. We on this podcast are huge fans of limiting notifications and, but it's just, you know, how do you, you know, continue to improve in that area to kind of, you know, to Blake's point, like maybe even see something new in yourself that you wouldn't have discovered because you do have these like constant um, inputs and uh, verbs, Blake, if you want to go try those, um, uh, what are they? They're called Courtney, uh, I was, I was sensory with deprivation you. tanks. Thank sensory you. Sensory deprivation yeah. tank. <laughs> oh, okay. I was like, Court- a sensory tank. I was like, is this like an experimental, uh, you know, bar and club in New York? Like, a, you get in this tank <laughs> and you have a drink. I was just imagining. It usually yeah. have some type of really interesting water cocktails, but it, they're water. So, <laughs> I don't use water normally. But, yeah, I honestly, I love sensory deprivation tanks. Um, I did. I did go to one, um, particularly one particular location, um, as I was doing the research, we're going to call it research mm-hmm. while I was there. But um, <laughs> It was honestly, my very first experience was similar to yours. And this is the reason why I also ex- had a lot of sensory input in my day that I really wasn't aware of. And so what a sensory deprivation tank does is it actually makes you weightless, the amount of salt makes you weightless, mm-hmm. soundless, and it's pitch black inside it there when they close the pod. And so all of your senses go into from like 100 to zero in a matter of seconds, mm-hmm. and it'll freak you out. It feels like it, it actually will produce anxiety. I think I probably had my very first panic attack inside of me <laughs> because my body was it like, sounds great. what is this? <laughs> it, I'm telling you, I don't actually recommend them to people until they've actually started practicing some sensory rest first. Because mm-hmm. if, you, if you're someone who tends to have the radio playing all the time and your notifications are going off, then to take your body from all of that to complete zero it's traumatic, honestly. It's not something mm-hmm. that's healthy. So I recommend people actually work up to the sensory deprivation tanks. Then after I started getting some sensory rest and doing them, it's almost heavenly. Mm-hmm. Once you've trained your body that it's okay to not have the input, and then you get an experience where all of it's gone, it, it's really an amazing experience. But I never recommend people go straight to that <laughs> from their sure. from their high stress lives. Right. I was going to ask Courtney for clarification when she said you get in the tank and they close the lid. I was like, that's that's like a crock pot. <laughs> Me sitting in the crock pot. <laughs> I don't find that comforting. Anxiety might, might peak a little bit as well. Someone that's listening, they're like, oh my gosh, I could never do that because I'm so addicted to achievement, to doing stuff, to inputs, to all of these things. Where does someone begin? Outside of, you know, go go to take the the crock pot, the rest quiz. Go to restquiz.com, Go get the book. What are some practices proactively that you found are good a starter kit, I guess, um, for these different kinds of rest that someone may want to adopt after listening to this episode? Yes. Well, particularly for people who classify themselves as either high achievers, entrepreneurs. Or, or leaders in general. There are three areas that I see that they tend to require um, more rest or that they tend to become deficient in. The first is sensory, as we mentioned. The second is mental. And the third is creative. 
Um, I'll start with creative because I think oftentimes that's the one that they all skip. And it's the one that I find tends to have one of the greatest deficits. And I think because although they know they're using creative energy to some degree, they don't tend to recognize how much creative energy they're using. Um, Because really problem solving, being innovative, thinking outside of the box, coming up with new ideas, all of those are creative type processes. And so creative rest or creative rest deficits happen very quickly in those fields. And if you're not intentional about getting more creative rest, then that's an area that that can become a deficit. And so when we talk about creative rest, we're really looking at the rest we experience when we allow ourselves to be inspired to appreciate beauty in whatever form that is. And so it could be natural beauty, like the mountains, the ocean, the beach, or it could be man-made beauty like art or theater or dance. And so if you're a leader or an entrepreneur or, you know, someone who's ha- who doesn't necessarily think of themselves as a creative, then you would think, well, is there any benefit for me to do this, you know, this let's say, go for a walk or going to the beach or going to a museum, or is there any benefit in that? Because they don't realize that that part of you can get drained just like every other part of you can Mm -hmm. be drained. And we have to appreciate the need to actually pour back into the creative side of ourselves. That's why I love for people to kind of, a lot of the big companies now, they're using this creative rest concept and that you'll see places like Google or WeWorks even that'll have these rooms that'll have these great color themes or patterns in them. And that's the concept behind it is that you can't get creativity and innovative ideas out of gray brown walls. You have to be able to inspire people. Um, Just something as simple as if you know that being at the beach is inspirational to you and it makes you feel better than changing the lock screen on your phone or on your computer so that you, you get burst of that creative inspiration in the middle of your day, bringing in fresh flowers. If you like being outside taking your runs or your jogs, bring in some potted plants into your surroundings so that you're bringing in the creative rest elements into your workspace. Mm-hmm. You know, this doesn't mean go take a vacation every time you need to go to the beach. You can bring some of these creative rest elements inside of your work area. That's awesome. I feel like all the plant stores are going to need to restock after this episode. We're all going to be. I'm like, yes, more plants. I was just thinking that. I was like looking around. I'm like, "Hmm." you know what, though? You'd be proud of me here, Sandra. I do. I did. I did this in, uh, I think, the third or fourth week of quarantine time. I went out. I was so stressed out. I went and I bought a keyboard, like electric piano, because I was like, I just need some kind of restorative creative outlet. So I brought it into my office here. So that's here. So that's that that counts, right? Even though I'm doing something and I'm participating in music, is that a form of creative rest? Well, as, as long as you're not putting a demand on yourself, because that's the mm-hmm. thing. So work is demanding something from you. So if you're trying to, like, if you're learning the piano, like sometimes someone will ask me if I go to one of those those um, art painting or pottery classes with my friends with the glass of wine, and we're doing that one evening, is that work or is that rest? Well, most of the time, because you're putting a demand on your creativity, you're it's creative work because you're telling yourself mm. you need to come up with something creative. But the time spent with those friends enjoying each other with with, you know, they're not requiring anything personally from you. You could possibly be getting both emotional and social rest with your friends while doing creative work. 
with trying to paint something in the class. You know, that's the interesting thing about how yeah. these work together, because oftentimes I'll have joggers that'll say, I feel so, so I feel restored after I get done jogging. How can that be? Cause I, you know, I'm sweating and I'm, ex- you know, my legs are exhausted. So physically it's not rest. Physically they're using their body. But as I mentioned, mental rest is a huge one for a lot of people um, that are high achievers, high producers. And, in that process of jogging, the brain gets to a quiet space. Instead of thinking about all the things, it's thinking about breath and cadence. And so it's focused the attention down on something that's so niche and specific for that activity that the brain actually gets to a quiet space. And if you're doing it outside and not on the treadmill, you may be bringing in some creative rest elements as well. So you're getting rest even while your body's working. But if you work at a desk all day, then your body isn't what's really needing the rest. It's your mind that may be needing the rest. So that's what I think we have to disassociate a little bit and get really niche on what is being restored in the moment. Well, I think uh, speaking for myself, but I think uh, Verbs and Blake would agree that this has been so helpful. And I, I really think for me personally, I think a lot of what you've talked about is giving me language mm-hmm. around some of the things I've felt or like intuitively know, but just don't know how quite how to communicate it. Um, and really to connect those dots of like, oh, that feeling is because you're missing in this one area of rest that you really need. So for everybody listening, I'd love for you to share a little bit about your assessment and how they can best take that if they're kind of feeling like, oh, okay, this this is really this is making a lot of sense for me. How do I find out, you know, how to determine which areas of rest I may be lacking in? Yes, absolutely. I think you have to begin by understanding. I sometimes get the question, what if I feel like I need all seven? Well, you can't hit all of seven anything at the same time. You really have to focus in on one. So that's where restquiz.com comes in. It's a assessment to let you see where you score in each of the seven types of rest. That way you can focus your attention and be really intentional about getting more rest or as I like to say, doing more restorative activities in the place of your greatest deficit. And so rather than just trying to sleep, which is only going to really hit the physical passive part of rest, you can determine if maybe what you're needing is mental or emotional or spiritual or creative. You can identify which of these seven you need most. And then from there, pick one or two ways that you're going to start implementing getting rest in that area. And, you know, it can be something as simple as if you're needing more mental rest, maybe doing a brain dump at the end of the evening. Rather than, you know, having one of those situations where you're laying in the bed, ruminating over all of these to-do lists, you jot it down, which is what a brain dump is. And that releases your brain to then go into deeper levels of sleep. Or maybe it's something as simple as turning off the radio on the drive home from work to get more sensory rest. Or taking a moment in between meetings to go outside and just do a walk around your building to get a little bit of creative rest or taking some time to sit down with your spouse and your kids at the dinner table with no cell phones and have conversations eye to eye to get more social rest. Every type of these rest that I'm talking about doesn't require you to go on vacation. They don't require you to carve out massive amounts of time during your day. They are simple strategies that you can do in the middle of your busy life with all of your responsibilities to start integrating rest as a part of your lifestyle. 
I love that. And I love the timing for when this episode is going to air um, is right before the next quarter. Um, and so as you all listening, if you are doing your quarterly preview, you know, it's a great time to look at, you know, maybe this is something you want to incorporate as part of your daily rituals or ideal week, or, you know, maybe it's a habit goal, you know, it's like, Hey, you know, for the next month, I'm going to, you know, take a drive once a day where I don't have the radio on, you know, whatever, um, would work for you, but I think this is so, so timely. So thank you so much for for being here with us today. I think everybody listening has benefited greatly from it. Good news is you don't have to experience constant exhaustion. When you intentionally create space for the seven types of rest, you can have the energy and the enthusiasm you need for the people and the work you love. So Dr. Sandra, we're going to let you have this final thought for our focus on this listeners. Anything you'd like to leave them with today? Life should be enjoyable. And if you are a high producer and you're producing out of your emptiness, I want you to envision what does it look like when you are actually producing from your place of fullness? It's time to stop living burned out and start living a life that's more passionate and on fire. Fantastic. And thank you, the listener, for listening to Focus on This. This is the most productive podcast on the Internet. So please share it with your friends. Remember, use the hashtag Focus on This Podcast. And we will be here next week with another great episode. So until then, stay, stay focused. focused. Wow, wow, wow. So, Sandra, can you just replace me as host of this podcast? I think our <laughs> listeners would really appreciate it. This episode of Focus on This is brought to you by SMS messages from the Full Focus store. Sign up for texts and receive 10% off your first order at fullfocusstore.com.